I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guest is Lyndon Rive, co-founder of Solar City, a clean energy company that sells solar energy to consumers. Solar City manufactures, finances, and installs solar panels for homes, schools, and businesses across the United States. Solar City has installed solar panels for companies including Walmart, Intel, and eBay, among others. Linden founded the company with his brother Pete in 2006. Solar City went public in December 2012. Linden is a former ballroom dance instructor and member of the U.S. national underwater hockey team. He is from Pretoria, South Africa. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. Uh, the ballroom dance instructor, how did you get that one? <laughs> well, tell me how you became one. When I was 12, actually, my aunt had a ballroom uh, studio, and when you teach ballroom, the women's feet and the men's feet are the opposites of one another. So I, I helped her out with teaching her the men's feet. In addition to uh, the ballroom dancing, at 17, you started uh, your first company. It was a homeopathics company uh, selling remedies for arthritis and constipation, among other things. Do you still use homeopathic remedies in your life? I I don't use it as as much, but I I do focus on good eating. Mm -hmm. So make sure you get two green shakes every day, stay away from sweets, and do exercise, stay healthy. I still play underwater hockey. How long can you? Are you able to hold your breath? You know, it's it's. I can probably hold my breath about two minutes. But the trick about uh, underwater hockey is repeating the breath holding for thirty minutes. You joined the national underwater hockey team in the United States after you came to the U.S. to start a software business with your brother Russell, and it was your underwater hockey that actually helped you stay in the United States. Can you describe what happened there? Both my wife and I are, are South African. I met my wife when I was uh, 14 years old. Um, so I came over first. I wanted to get the business established. Then she came over. Her visa expired b- before mine. And she figured out that there's a category called exceptional ability. It's an O visa. Exceptional ability. Any person that is exceptionally good at something, the U.S. wants you. But they can't discriminate. So uh, my wife and I are actually really good at underwater hockey. She got her green card by being exceptionally good at underwater hockey. Mm. And then that's how I, I was able to stay in the country. Mm-hmm. The fact that I was employing 280 people, had a $100 million company, I still couldn't get a green card. Uh, I, I was about to get deported. There's a lot of work there to be done if, if, if somebody who can play underwater hockey can stay in the country, but someone who starts a company c- cannot. You ultimately sold the company to Dell in 2007, and before this time, you were noodling on what your your next endeavor would be, and you came upon the idea for Solar City in the car going to Burning Man, uh, which is in in Nevada. How would you describe Burning Man? Uh, it is a, a big party in the middle of the desert where there is nothing, so everybody brings everything with them, and then they leave, leaving no footprint. So that's the whole key. And it was on your way to Burning Man uh, when your cousin, uh, the tech entrepreneur Elon Musk, uh, came up with the idea to dabble in solar. Can you describe that car ride? Elon and I, still, of course, we know each other as, as we are cousins. Our mothers are twins, and so we go back quite a bit. And he actually invested into Everdream, the software company. And so we actually started learning one another from a, a business side, not just from a personal side. So I was describing to, to Elon that, that I want to start a new business. And so it was his idea that you know, he said, we'll get into the solar industry. 
And then I came back, discussed it with Peter, the second oldest brother. I'm the third one. And he instantly fell in love with the idea. Could you describe how Solar City works? The simple description of Solar City is, is that we are an energy company. We install the solar system in your house. It's, it's, we install it for free. You don't pay for the equipment, you don't pay for the installation, you don't pay for the service. The only thing you pay for is the electricity that the system produces. And you pay less for that electricity than what you would pay from the utility. So given the choice of paying more for dirty power or paying less for clean power, most of our customers, of course, prefer to pay less for clean power. Since you are undertaking the whole installation process for consumers, it's a highly capital-intensive endeavor. And I want to talk about raising capital in the early days. You had the benefit of your cousin being on board because it's kind of like by the guy where venture capitalists will want to come on board with somebody as successful as he. Can you describe capital raising in the early days? So remember, this, this is back in 2006. So Elon's success was well known back then, but it was primarily based on PayPal, um, uh, not yet to be determined on SpaceX or, or Tesla. Elon absolutely did help, but it wasn't easy. A common question we would get is, how can we justify investing in this when, when there's already uh, 4,000 other solar installers in the country at that time? The primary vision was, was describing what was wrong with the model. Everybody was selling solar equipment. They weren't selling solar energy. There has to be a whole transformation that occurs. You have to change out the energy infrastructure. You have to deliver renewable energy, but you're not going to do this if the consumer has to pay for the capital. So you, you have to just sell the, the electricity, the electrons. And who were one or two investors that kind of served as critical allies for you? So, so uh, Draper Fisher and Jerviston goes back right to the beginning. They, they're the guys who gave me my first $2 million check when I was 22 years old in the software company that manages PCs. Uh, but they've actually invested in every single financial round that I have raised, and that's like 30 or 40 different investments. Here's a guy who sold uh, homeopathic remedies, who's you know now selling uh, solar. What to you has been or was most surprising uh, about getting the company off the ground, more challenging than you had expected? When I got into the business, I felt that the solar industry really had some anger towards the utility industry. And I was like, you know, that, that doesn't feel feel right. Like, the utilities can't be that bad. They can't be fighting you that much. Because all the media you see shows that the utility industry is very supportive of renewable energy. They do these campaigns of, you know, go green, be energy efficient. So so clearly this, this is a, a misconception. Nope, it's not. Majority of the utility industry is fighting it tooth and nail. And what's an example of your being face-to-face with the utility in a particular state? A, a, a classic one would be California. When the solar industry started launching, the uh, solar industry wanted a 0.25% net metering cap. So what a net metering cap is, it allows the homeowner to move the electricity back into the grid so the utility can sell it to the neighbor. And the utility industry would said that if we allow a 0.25% cap, it will destroy the entire financial stability of, of, of the grid. When reality is actually, there's many benefits associated with generating electricity during peak periods during the day when the sun's you know, shining on the panels and where most of the energy is needed. What is an example of one or two utility companies that have been on the other side and have been friendly to your presence? 
PG&E, as an example, a utility in California, one of the largest ones, they've invested over $300 million into our solar assets. Their previous CEO, Peter Darby, came from PacBau, and he, he told me that he saw what the cell phone did to the landline industry. I want to speak uh, briefly about tax credits. You rely heavily on them in terms of offering lower costs to your consumers. How do you navigate those issues? Every energy sector has had significant tax credits, but the amount of credits that the solar industry gets is significantly less than what the fossil fuel industry gets. But even with that, we're going to get to a point where we can provide energy at a lower cost than fossil fuel can without credits. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be an a unfair playing field as they will still have their credits. <laughs> we won't have ours and we'll still beat them. And why don't, why don't you have yours? Is it so, just so, the so entrenchment I, of you? So, so you're dealing with entrenched industries that have been around for 50 to 100 years. And the, the, the subsidies go so, so deep. He has, he has a classic subsidy that bugs me. One of our biggest costs in installing solar is, is the permitting. It's not that the permit itself is expensive. It's the time delay of getting the permit. Mm. So imagine you're driving on a highway, and then there was a stop, mm-hmm. and a dead stop, where you actually have to get out of your car, the inspector looks in the car, and then you can go again. How big do you think the traffic jam would be? So that's what permitting does to the solar industry. It creates a, a traffic jam. The fossil fuel industry in California as well as in Texas, you don't need a permit. In Texas, an example, it's faster to get a, a fracking permit. And I'm not sure if you've seen a fracking facility. It, it's horrendous than it is to get a solar permit for your house. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Lyndon Rive, co-founder of SolarCity. SolarCity has installed systems for several hundred schools and universities, the U.S. military, and companies including Intel and eBay and Walmart. You're becoming more vertically integrated. Are you surprised by how vertically integrated you have to be in order to make the the system as seamless and low-cost as possible? Would, did you imagine that when you were first starting the company? So when we launched the company, we thought, you know, the first one thing that we'll do is we'll do the customer education and we'll do the customer acquisition, but we'll outsource the installation right. and have somebody else do that. Terrible customer experience. So, so we quickly knew that we had to vertically integrate the installation business. Which means your need for capital. So, so we had to raise a lot of capital to be able to do that. But we, so we took the harder path, but we knew that the harder path would yield a better result. Then the next one we integrated was our financing. So instead of going to a third party to finance the asset, and then the customer not knowing who they're working with, are they working with the installer or are they working with the uh, financial institution? You know, who, who, who do they complain when there's a problem? So then we integrated the, the financials. So it's just one company you have to deal with. Then we looked at our cost and realized that, well, if we further vertically integrate the mounting hardware, we can improve the aesthetic issues. This mounting hardware that we bought improves the aesthetics dramatically. And now the next phase is integrating the actual manufacturing of the modules. What companies did you look to uh, in the early days that echoed what, what you were trying to do, not necessarily in the energy industry, but outside? We wanted to create the experience no different than signing up for a, a cell phone plan or getting um, direct TV. But, but there weren't many. In fact, this was a big criticism that we got in trying to raise capital, as there was, there's not one single company that we could point to that has vertically integrated in our consumer business model. 
I want to talk about the need to educate the consumer in the early days, because you don't have just a, a new service, but you're pioneering an industry. How did relationships with Home Depot or Best Buy help in that education? Education is still our biggest challenge. I, I've just witnessed this recently. Uh, a friend of mine knows that I'm in this business. He comes to me, he goes, just bought a house, I'm ready to get a solar system. What's the payback? And I almost wanted to punch him. Um, I was like, how can you ask me what the payback is? I've been in this business for such a long time. You know I've been in this business. There is no payback. You just pay less for the electricity. What did he mean by what's the payback? Most consumers out there still think you have to buy the equipment, and then you look at what is the payback of the energy savings on the investment. And you said, no, I'm installing for free. The installation's free, the equipment's free, everything's free. You just pay for the energy and you pay less from the utility. That is our biggest uh, challenge. So partnerships like Home Depot and Best Buy have helped tremendously. Because someone's going to Home Depot, they're not going there to buy solar. They're going there to go buy dirt or um, something for for their house. Then we are there, the person walks by and we say, hey, would you like to save money on your utility bill? They go, what are you talking about? Well, we can install the system for free and we sell you the energy at a lower rate than the utility. And then the next question is, I don't get it. What, what's the catch? Well, how much pushback are you getting just because it's sort of not in my own backyard? Like, while I like the idea of solar, I don't want a, an ugly panel on my roof. Some might think it's pretty, but others might not. Yeah. In new markets where solar is extremely new, it's not that solar is ugly. It's just new. Of course, I'm, I'm slightly biased. I think it's jewelry for your house. It's more condition, good looking than any air conditioning units. It's more good looking than the power lines coming to your house. And the power lines are ugly. So it's just that it's, it's, it's new. It's almost like the Prius. When the Prius first came out, it was a, an ugly looking car. Now, I can say it because I actually bought a Prius uh, shortly after it came out. But once it became understood that that's the shape and the practicality of the shape, it became one of the most successful cars out there. Speaking of cars, you also own a Tesla, the electric car company uh, founded by your cousin, Elon. And I want to talk about Elon. I read somewhere that you, you call him, you've called him the chosen one. I've called him Neo. In the Matrix, if you watch the, the Matrix, uh, Neo is, 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 the, is the chosen one. The reason for that is he sees all the zeros and ones. When working with, with Elon, he can quickly identify where where the mistakes are and help us avoid those mistakes. And the way I often describe it is, he will say, turn right into the pothole so that you can miss the invisible wall. And I'm like, but I don't wanna hit the pothole. And he goes, well, you'd be way better off hitting the pothole than hitting the invisible wall. So then you just turn right, you hit the pothole, creates a little bump, and then in the rear mirror, you see the invisible wall. And you go, wow, I'm mm. glad I did not hit that invisible wall. But he, he just has the, the ability to see things that most cannot. What was your view of him uh, as you were growing up? So he, he was always extremely driven. A lot of the other students would beat him up for just being so smart. Uh, he, he was the first one to leave South Africa. He was the first one to start a software company, Zip2. It's often the company Norman speaks about, but he sold it for $300 million. What did it, it do? It was um, almost a combination of... MapQuest and uh, Yellow Pages on, on the internet. Uh, he sold it to uh, Compact. How about you? You know, you said that he was kind of a social outcast a little bit growing up. How about, how about you? 
I started my first company at, at 17, so I missed all the all the social activities. I, I was working 80 hours uh, at a young age and going to high school. So, in fact, I didn't attend my last year of high school. I almost got expelled. And your mom was uh, pretty dogmatic about your working. Yes, yeah, so, so see, incredible mother. Would you allow your kid to start a company in their last year of high school and then have have them dev- devote all their time on, on that company and not go to high school. The homeopathic company. Yeah, the homeopathic company. So uh, it takes a certain inv- parent to do that. How much were you making from this company? I, I was doing extremely well, but my principal wanted to expel me. I went to him and showed him my financials, and he realized that this would be more money than most people will ever make. And we made a deal that he would allow me to write the exams, but I don't have to go to school. You're dyslexic, is that right? I, I, I am. I, I, I struggle with, with uh, reading and writing. How has that helped you, do you think? <laughs> it's been a total pain <laughs> to deal with. Um, the, you, know, you just read contracts slower, so, so it's a little annoying sometimes. So you feel like it's been more of a detriment? The help is, you know, often you can either be viewed as, as a victim and go, okay, this is the reason why I, I, I have failed. Or you can just go, okay, I, I'm, I'm not good at that. What are all the things that I can do to supplement that, that, that weakness? I knew that academics is not something I'd, I'd, I'd strive in, so that's why I started my first company at 17. It has allowed me to develop a, a strong sense for business. It has allowed me to develop a, a, a good way of communicating because uh, I, I rely on oral communication a lot more than writing, uh, uh, writing communication. It has allowed me to, to persevere through, through very, very difficult times. I, th- I think it has helped me. Yeah. Uh, but given the choice of having or not having, I'd prefer not to have it. <laughs> <laughs> you have two boys. How do you explain to them what, what, what you do for a living? So, so it's, it's, it's tough. But the area that we, we focused on is saving the planet. So, so they, they, uh, they call me Captain Planet, trying to um, justify the reasons why I'm not always at home. The other day, my, my kid came to me and said, Ryan's dad's often at home. Uh, why aren't you at home? And I have to explain to him that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to save the planet. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. My guest has been Captain Planet Lyndon Rive, co-founder of Solar City. If you would like to learn more about the show, please visit our website at fromscratchradio.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Jess G. Harris or find us on Facebook. I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. <laughs>